0: If you've got a Bible, open up to the book of Joshua. We're going to continue to work our way through there. We are in uh, Joshua chapter 4 and chapter 5 today. Someone once said sermons are a lot like meals, right? You might not remember what you had for dinner six months ago, but hopefully it fed you and it nourished you and it made you stronger. You might not remember what I preached about six months ago, but... Uh, hopefully, it, it fed you and it nourished you and it encouraged you uh, f- for the time. Uh, I don't remember a lot of the sermons that I've heard over the course of my life. I, uh, I've heard a, a lot of them, but but just like every now and then, there's like a really good meal that sticks out in your mind that you're never going to forget. Uh, th- there's one sermon in particular that that really sticks out to me that I I don't think I'll I'll ever forget. Probably uh, I remember it so well because I heard it more than once. But this was back. Uh, like back in college, back before Camille and I got married, I spent one year going to uh, Western Baptist College, Corbin College uh, now. And yeah, <laughs> thanks Alan. Uh, and the, the president there at the time was a guy named David Miller, cool guy. And he preached a sermon at chapel one time that was right from this passage, right from Joshua chapter 4 uh and it was and it was all about how the israelites had established this monument to remind them about how god had miraculously uh, saw them through the crossing of the jordan how he had stopped it got them through it on the other side of it and on the other side they established this monument uh, so that uh, future generations would hear about and know about what god has done and he he talked about how how whenever their kids would ask why is there this pile of rocks they would then say, "Sit down. I got a story to tell you." And all throughout his sermon, he kept saying that line over and over again: "Sit down. I've got a story to tell you." And that that uh, that same year, I think it was probably during spring break when I came home, uh, I discovered that my home church had asked uh, David Miller to come and preach a sermon. Guess which sermon he picked <laughs> to preach? That one. It was okay. It was just as good uh, the, the second time around. And, and through this sermon, he talked a lot about the importance of sharing the miracles of God with the next generation. And again, how this, this pile of rocks was to serve as a testimony to the greatness and the power of God to the people and to their children and to ev- to everybody that saw it. And again, it's amazing to me how these, these common acts of remembrance are scattered just all throughout the Bible. Just these little, Ordinary things, in, in in small things, in big things, in all kinds of different ways, God uses what's going on around our lives in everyday ways uh, to remind us of him and, and who he is and what he's done. The, the Jewish people had seven major holidays that they celebrated uh, that were reminders of God helping them through harvest and through different things, uh, the most prominent being Passover and Day of Atonement. Uh, Hanukkah, Hanukkah is a, a holiday that uh, commemorates uh, God providing enough oil for the temple to be able to be uh, cleansed. Uh, whenever we see a, a rainbow in the sky, right? What's the, the rainbow is a sign from God, a, a reminder from God that, that even though it's raining somewhere, you don't have to build a boat. It's okay. I'm not gonna flood the whole thing again like I did that one time. There was a jar of manna that was placed inside the Ark of the Covenant as a reminder of God's miraculous provision. The Lord's Supper that we just participated in was set up by Jesus, again, as a lasting memorial to the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf and the inauguration of the new covenant. A few years back, we changed the way we do communion uh, uh, here at calvary for for a long long time, uh, communion was was usually done at, at the end of the service uh, a- after the sermon uh, which that 's fine there 's nothing wrong with doing it that way, but we realized that because all of our kids are out in Sunday school during that time that it 's possible for our kids to grow up and be i don 't know junior hires middle schoolers high schoolers without ever really participating in communion and that didn't seem right like that that didn't seem like a good thing and and so we shifted things around so that on on occasion we would do communion towards the beginning of the service so that so that the kids could could be here and could uh, participate and and now that's it's more of our regular practices to do it at the front end rather than the back end because We want our kids to hear about and to know about what this is and what it means and what it represents because we want to have this kind of an opportunity to explain to them what Jesus has accomplished on their behalf. Jesus Himself said, let the little children come to Me. Don't hinder them. The Kingdom of Heaven belongs to such as these. He said, make sure they know about Me and what I've done. And, and, and here in Joshua, it's explicitly stated a couple of times that the memorial that they're setting up with this pile of rocks is for their kids. It's so when their kids ask, what's the deal with this? You can say, sit down. I got a story to tell you. Here in, in chapter four, this, this new memorial is established and we're going to we're going to look in more detail at that but but really chapter 4 and chapter 5 re- represent a couple of different memorials a couple of different reminders uh, the, the pile of rocks was a new one but there was two things that they reestablished old memorials that they that they reconfirmed before heading in uh, to the promised land to take it over one of the very first signs of uh, of uh, the covenant with God was circumcision It was a sign of entrance into the covenant community of God. And it happened uh, shortly after birth. The the key sign of entrance into the covenant community now, the new covenant community, is baptism. And that happens shortly after being born again. Uh, But for them, uh, circumcision was important. I mean, it was... Again, it was a sign, it was a, it was a sign of this, this promise, this covenant, this vow that they had made with God, that they were going to be God's people. And, and what we learn is that in chapter five, we learn that, that all of the, the new generation, after having spent years, 40 years wandering in the desert, none of their kids, none of them had been circumcised while they were wandering. And so before they go any for, uh, further, before, before they head uh, into the promised land, Joshua needs to circumcise everybody. Take care of this this problem. I think there's there's a couple of reasons why it was so important that this take place right now. I mean, part of the reason was again this was a sign of of their their relationship with God, their covenant with Him, that they belonged to Him, that they were His, that they were set apart, and so Joshua had to make sure that, that that sign of the covenant was was redone but also i think it was done because where they were headed was into a land that's full of people whose particular form of idolatry is a lot of ritualistic prostitution and god wants his people to be set apart from all that too he wants he wants his people to be unlike everybody else he wants them to be identified as as a child of god and it would have been impossible for an israelite man to to take part in any of the pagan rituals without sticking out like a sore thumb. Uh, So God wants them to be set apart inside and out. So that's the first thing they do is circumcision. Then before they head into Jericho, while still camped at Gilgal, they celebrate Passover together. And Passover again is the memorial of the time that God miraculously rescued them from Egypt. It says in verse 5 there that the very next day the, the manna from heaven stopped and they ate from the fruit of the land. Another one of those signs from God that they were home. So these, these two chapters, 4 and 5, are just filled with all of these memorials. All of these reminders about who God is and what God has done and the promises that He's made to His people. All these things that, that are intended to point the people back to their God. And I think we're supposed to have a life that is filled with all kinds of reminders like this. I think we're we're supposed to have a life that's filled with all kinds of things that remind us about God and point us back to Him and draw our attention to Him. We need more of these. We need more of them. We need more memorials, more reminders. We got we got a lot of holidays. We got Easter and we've got Christmas and and we we've got communion that we do on a regular basis and, and all those things are are great. But I think we need more. We need more. We need we need not just corporate ones that we participate in together. But I think it's good to have individual ones, reminders uh, th- that have to do with what God has done in our lives and how He's answered our prayers and how He's worked in amazing ways in, in our families. I think we need to have. Something monolith, something set up so that when our kids ask, we can say, "Oh, that's a great story. Sit down. let me tell you about it. Let me tell you all about what God has done. We need memorials. We need monuments because we as human beings are, are just horribly forgetful. We forget so easy. Let's look, let's look at the passage. We're just going to look at the first seven verses of Joshua chapter 4 and, and read what, what happened there. Now, then, uh, now when all the, the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from each tribe. And command them, saying, Take up for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet were standing firm. Carry them over with you. Lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So you remember last week when we, when we saw, uh, the, the priests, they had to walk into the flooded Jordan. When their feet touched the water, then the flow of water stopped way back there. The whole thing dries up and the entire nation walks across on dry land. And so what Joshua is saying here is that I want you guys to go. twelve, one from each nation. Twelve guys. I want you to go right there where where the ark was. Right where those priests were standing. And I want you to get a big giant rock and toss it on your shoulder and carry it in to where we're going to stay and set it there. He says, let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask later, saying, 'What, what do these stones mean? Then you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be a, become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. And then again, down in verse 20, he reiterates, those 12 stones which they had taken from the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. He said to the sons of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel, crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which He dried up before us until we had crossed. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This was, this was brilliant. I don't, I don't know if this was God's idea. I mean, it sounds like God instructed Joshua, here's what I want you to do. But I, I wonder if at least in part, it wasn't because of the track record that these people had out there in the desert, where it seemed like they so quickly, so easily forgot about what God has done. Let's try and do something that'll make it harder for them to forget what I've done. We we just, we forget so quickly. I mean, we all of us, I think all of us would affirm that there's times in our lives where we know the hand of God has been right there, where we can feel His presence so close, where we know God has done great things. But then, like, life keeps rolling and it gets busy and we get sucked into the tedium of everyday life and we forget. We forget about what He's done. For us. And, and every new obstacle that we face seems new to us. And it seems like it's so big and we freak out all over again and we forget that He can handle it. God, God understands that we're forgetful. And I think that's why He has scattered so many of these reminders throughout our, our lives. It's the reason why religion is so filled with tradition. These traditions are intended to highlight the greatness of God. But it's amazing how how easy it is even for religion, even for the church, to have traditions where we forget what they're about, right? Where we forget what they were even for in the first place. Because we're so forgetful. We can keep on celebrating the tradition, going through the motions long after we've forgotten what it was really about. Or we get sidetracked and think it's about something. That that was kind of the problem in, in the church in Corinth. It's the reason why Paul has to write them about communion. Because for them, this started out as a reminder about Jesus, but then it morphed into this party where they're just eating and drinking and getting wasted and doing it. In a way that wasn't at all remembering what Christ has done. And he has to focus their attention back. No, this is why we do that. This is why we have this little meal together. This is the point of it. It's not so that, you know, we could have a party every week. It's anytime, anytime our, like we forget to remind our kids what the traditions are about, it won't take very long for the meaning to get lost. For these memorials to be effective, we have to be willing to sit our kids down and answer their questions and tell them about what God has done. Otherwise, it's not going to be a memorial anymore. It's just going to be a weird pile of rocks. I don't want that to be the case. I don't want that to be the case with our practice of communion or or with how we uh, do do baptism or, or anything that we do. I want to make sure that I'm always explaining the purpose and the meaning of those things every time so that our kids understand why they're so important to us and what they mean. And so that they can give God the praise that He deserves for what He's done. We need we need these memorials. We need these reminders because without them we'll forget. Guarantee it. But these these memorials that God sets up in our lives are important not just because we're forgetful, but they're important because God has done some great things, right? God has done some absolutely amazing things. This stone monument that they set up there at Gilgal was really, it was more than just a reminder. That was a big part of what it was to do, but it's a place of worship. It was a way of showing others that God is awesome. Verse 24 again, it says that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. That's what this is about. So that you may fear the Lord your God forever. God has done absolutely great things in this world, in our country, in our lives, and God deserves to be recognized for what He has done. That's part of the reason why we sing. Singing is weird I, I don't know Is it just me or do other guys feel that way sometimes? Singing isn't something that we do in a lot of Different settings. I mean, all right, fine, we'll do it in our car when nobody else is there. But part of the reason why we sing is because we recognize that God has done some great things, and it's an opportunity for us to sing about, to praise Him for it, to acknowledge some of those things. It's the reason why we share the gospel with other people. It's not just because, like, we want. We want other people to come to church. Like we, we want other people to know about this great, mighty, awesome God. This God who has found a way to reconcile us back to Him. This, this God who has sacrificed on our behalf. This God who has loved us so much that, that He sent His Son to come and to die on our behalf. We want them to know about that awesome, loving, merciful, great God. It's the reason why we wear a cross around our neck. We want people to know what happened there. We want people to know that there's a God who, who loves us and who has fought for us and who has redeemed us and who sustains us every day. We want our kids to ask about the symbolic acts of worship that surround our church and hopefully that surround our lives also. We want to have opportunities to tell them more and more about God all day long, every day. We are surrounded by miracles of God. All day long, every single day, we are surrounded by a God who continues to do great things in this world all around us. We just need to pay attention to them. We need to look for them. We need to acknowledge them when we see them. And then we need to memorialize them. We need to set up something so that we never forget what God has done. We need to give him the praise that he deserves. I think, I think sometimes we take the miracle of answered prayer for granted. And part, part of that's because, I don't know about you, but I, I pray for a, a lot of things, t- tons of things. But there's times where I can't help but be struck by how great God is. I mean, we've been praying for a long time for Derek North, the, the worship leader uh, over at uh, First Baptist in Davis. And he, he's had cancer that he's been fighting off. And he's healed. Like, he's cancer free. Like, that's a miracle. God has done some great things there. But it's not, it's not even just the big, huge things like that, which is a huge, clear sign of, of God's moving in His life. But even the little answered prayers are amazing. A lot of times I'll pray when I'm headed into to like a, a meeting with somebody or a counseling session, especially if I'm a little bit nervous. I'll pray for God that He'll... Give me grace and give me the words to say and help it to to go well. and, And God answers those prayers often in ways that are more miraculous than I even could have imagined. And that's a miracle too. When we forget what God has accomplished, we inevitably slip into fear and confusion and doubt And I think that's exactly where Satan wants us. He wants us to think that God isn't there. Or that God doesn't do great things. Or that God can't hear us. Or that God won't help us. And that we're just on our own. He doesn't want us to be reminded about what God has done. Or to worship God. Or to give thanks to God. Or to teach our kids about God. Or to rest in the protective arms of God. And if He can get us to forget all that God has done, He can get us to freak out. We need these memorials. We need memorials because God has done great things. And we need reminders and memorials because God's still going to do great things. He's not finished yet. There's more cool things that God's going to do in our world, in our church, in our lives, in our future. And even this memorial that's set up here in Joshua, is it's... It's because of that. It's because of what God's going to do. It's, it's because their kids are going to face things and they're going to need God to lead. It's so that everybody will know. I think that's part of the reason why, why Paul, when he's talking about communion even, says whenever we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. We will talk about what God has done and we'll talk about what God is doing. And we'll talk about what God is going to do with, with excitement and, and eager anticipation until He comes back again. So when we remember what God has done, it gives us reassurance and confidence with what lies ahead. When we remember that our God is a God who can, who can part the sea our God is a God who can, who can sacrificially pay our debt. Our God is a God who can bring dead hearts back to life. When we know that, then there is, there, there's no dark unknown that we ever have to worry about up ahead. God's already there. His, his power and His guidance and His sovereign hand will lead us anywhere we need to go just like a good shepherd leads the sheep. I think it was, I think it was the experience of, of crossing the Jordan and seeing God's hand move in a mighty way that gave the Israelites such confidence, such courage to tackle the obstacles that they were going to face next. Right. First, God asked us to walk into a flooded river and that seemed crazy. We were like, I don't think that makes sense, God, but okay, here we go. And it worked! It was amazing. Everything dried up. We walked right across. Now, God is telling us that what we need to do next is to hike around this massive fortified city with huge walls to just walk around it and play jazz music. That's what God wants us to do. That's crazy. I don't even like jazz music. How's that going to work, God? But God came through for us the last time He asked us to do something. So we've got confidence to obey Him this next time. He did a cool thing back there in a way that I didn't expect. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do with our hiking and trumpet playing. I think, that's, I think that's how faith works in our lives as well. It's like, a, it's like a snowball that gets bigger and bigger. And often it starts with small little things, little steps of faith that we take when we obey what the word of God has to say. And, and as, as we see how God, wow, He showed up. He worked. He, that was, that was amazing what God did there. And it gives us the courage to take that next step that's a little, a little bit bigger and a little scarier. And then larger ones and, and larger ones until we get to that point in in our Christian life where we no longer see what lies ahead as, as an obstacle or as scary or as frightening. But we, we view every new thing with eager anticipation because we can't wait to see what kind of cool thing God's going to do through this one. We know that He's going to answer and it's going to be awesome. And we start to forget the miracles that God has done, it'll cause us to question His ability to miraculously see us through what lies ahead. That's why memorials are important. That's why we need to remember. Okay, when you guys came in today, everybody got a rock? Did everybody get stoned on your way into church? Sorry, I had to. (laughs) Uh, When... When my dad was was young, uh, he he grew up I guess like on the edge of the desert in Arizona, and and he would go out and hunt for geodes, go out and find all kinds of cool rocks. A geode is just this like ugly round rock, but when you crack it open, it's got all these beautiful crystals inside. Apparently, he had a he had a nice rock collection and I loved to collect them. And whenever my dad would go somewhere on a trip on a business meeting, he'd always come back, and the present that he would bring me was a rock and. At the time, I just thought it was some sort of, like, cruel dad joke. Uh, <laughs> oh, what'd you get me, Dad? Another rock. Uh, yay. Uh, but I think maybe it was just a way for him to, to try and, and get me to share in his, his love for rocks, because some of them were pretty cool, you know, petrified wood and other, uh, other cool things. Uh, To him, to my dad, rocks were a reminder of of the beauty of this world and they were a reminder of the places that he'd been and the things that he'd have a chance to see. For me, most of those rocks are just a reminder of my dad, which is good. Memories are good. I'd be willing to, to bet that all of us have had times in our lives where God has shown up and done some awesome things. Where He he answered a prayer in your life. Where He brought about restoration or He brought about some sort of healing. Where He provided for a need in a way that was totally unexpected. There have been times in your lives where God has guided you through what seemed like at the time an impossible situation maybe for you, it was that moment that you first believed. When, when, when the weight of, of guilt and your sin just hit you like a ton of rocks. And you felt the sorrow for what that sin had done in separating you from God. Where that conviction for your sin was heavy. And then, with just complete amazement and joy, you realize that all of that sin has been forgiven and paid for through Jesus Christ. And and with, with gratitude and humility, you prayed and confessed all those sins and repented and, and, and accepted Jesus as, as, as your Lord and your Savior and placed your faith in Him. And we're brought from death to life. Do you guys remember that miracle that God did in you? I don't know what it is or what it looks like, but there have been ways that God has done amazing things in your life. And God is going to continue to do amazing things in your life. If you'd bow your heads with me, I want you to have an opportunity just to take a few moments right now this morning to thank God for those things, to thank God for those miracles that He has done in your life. To thank Him for saving you, for sealing you, and for guiding you, and for providing for you, for protecting you. Thank you for all those times that He faithfully saw you through rough waters. Praise Him for being a God who has done great things in your life. Acknowledge that you trust that He will still do great things in the future. Dear God, we do thank You so much that You are a mighty God. Help us to never forget that. Help us to never lose sight of all that You have done. In this world and, and our families and us individually, Lord, we thank you for how you've worked miracles. We know, God, that there is no obstacle that is too big for you. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to rest in you. What you can do and what you can accomplish. Lord, that we would never rest in what what we have or what we offer or what we can do. Lord, we can't do it on our own. We already know we tried. But God, we know that you are so much bigger and so much stronger and so much greater that you offer your help and your guidance and your love to us. Again, God, may we never forget all that You've done, and all that You're going to do. May we give You the praise and the glory for it that You deserve. I pray in Jesus' name. Alright, I want you to take that rock that I gave you when you came in, uh, and I want you to put it somewhere that you're going to see it. Put it somewhere uh, obvious. Somewhere weird. Because it's weird to have a rock sitting on the mantle at home. right? Put it somewhere where somebody's going to ask you about it. Where they're going to say, what's the deal with that rock? And then... I want you to tell them what it means. It means God has done great things in my life. Tell them about a time when God has done something awesome in your life. Tell them about the time where God had rescued you from darkness into light. Take that rock and, and let it be uh, this, this memorial that gives you the opportunity to tell your friends and your family and your kids, sit down, i got a story to tell you, and then tell them that story. All right? Don't, don't throw it. Just keep it.